Welcome to Project Recovery, a podcast about addiction. More importantly, it's about recovery. I'm Casey Scott. That's Dr. Matt Well, You know what they're saying? What the are best they saying? me in 23. <laughs> well, if it rhymes, it must be true. Well, you know, Utahns in the world, they, they love alliteration. You know what I mean? If it That's rolls true. off the tongue... Oh, yeah. get it done. That's a, uh, oh, <laughs> See what I'm nice. doing there? Hey, wow. welcome back and uh, welcome everybody into the new year. Uh, wow. And I, I, I got to let you on a little update. Uh, the last podcast, I told you that this year I'm taking my health a little more seriously. Yes. And so I've already made an appointment. It's January 19th to check my blood, my numbers, my testosterone, and then maybe see about the night of a thousand waterfalls. The right. colonoscopy. The colonoscopy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought I had until 50, which is two years away. Well, about a year. I think it's the night of a thousand hey, no. mudslides. Yeah. Um, but so, but they're saying you're supposed to do it by 45 now. Yeah, yeah. They lowered the age. Yeah. And so I, I guess I'm going to have to And I it. had to do it, so you should have to do it. Okay. That sounds fair. Uh, so how was your New Year's? It was good. Everything you thought and more? It was actually really fun. We got together. Ashley and I went uh, and uh, hung out with friends, her sister and, and everybody, and just had a, a fun night hanging out like old people, you know? Well, raise your hand if you were in Vegas and in bed by 930 on New Year's Eve. What? Yeah. You didn't want to get out and walk around? And I walked around a little bit. See, um, like, the street performers? Uh, no, because we were, we were... So here's the deal. We were going to the Rose Bowl. Yeah. Uh, and so we stopped in Vegas on New Year's Eve, then headed on to Pasadena, and then came back... Were there a bunch of drunk U of U fans in the hotel uh, in Vegas? Yeah, uh, yeah, quite a bit. That's actually why I quit taking my kids to U of U football games when they were little. We, we couldn't find a seat where we weren't around just belligerently drunk. Well, I think People. drinking and uh, tailgating and football go hand yeah. in hand. Yeah. Uh, but the, we had to stay out in Henderson. And for those who don't uh, know, Henderson's yeah. kind of a suburb of Las Vegas. Yeah. Uh, because everything was like $1,000. A lot of soccer tournaments in the in the the back in the day in Henderson. Yeah. So yeah. we were at this place called Sunset Station. Oh, I've been there. Yeah, Sunset yeah. Station. that had a bowling alley yep, and a, yep. a fat burger and stuff yep. like that. And so we walked around and my daughter goes, hey, how come you went to bed so early? I was like... Well, and I've talked about this on the podcast before. Like, I still like a party. I like the golden hour of a party. Now, if you're into photography, there's this golden hour. And golden hour is when everything is just perfect. The lighting and everything. And you go, it's it's either in the morning or in the evening. And it's just when everything is right. It's a lighting thing. Yep. But there's a golden hour when it comes to partying. Okay. And that's just when everything is right. And you know what I mean? People are still before happy. Before it unravels. Before it unravels. And yeah. everybody's like, hey, I haven't seen you for a while. Good to see you. Mm-hmm. What's going on? Hugs and everything and catching up. And then after that golden hour, it just turns ugly. Yeah. And so Vegas gets ugly quick. <laughs> you know, and yeah, so. Vegas is kind of ugly 24-7. But so yeah, for me, I was like, I'm going to hang out. When we walked around, had some dinner, played a little at the tables. And at 930, I looked at my girlfriend. But you're a gambler. So that's kind of why I'm surprised you weren't out later. But, you but, like to gamble. But. To the point where they jack up the tables and it's amateur hour, so everybody's at the table. Mm. So what would normally be a $5 table is a $15 table, and you're waiting in lines, and you're playing with people who don't really understand the game, and so they're messing up the rhythm. I'm just going to be honest with you, so I'm like, I'm out. So have we talked about gambling addictions on this Yeah, show? we have. Oh, we have. Okay. Yeah. and and But... I walked away. You did it, but I do. But I do like gambling. I yeah, like, no, I like I, gambling I'm on sports and, and stuff like that. And so I was like, "Ah, eh, it's just not really my thing." And then we got up early and we went on to Pasadena and yeah. and had a great time. Uh, the thing that you asked me, you said off air, you said, "What did you like most about the Rose Bowl?" Right. And I and I kind of stumbled on an answer. I wasn't sure. And in retrospect, thinking about it now, the fact that I got the chance to take my oldest daughter with me. Mm-hmm. down to the Rose Bowl, because I had to do some work for KSL TV down there. We right. did uh, the parade and, and talked to some fans and kind of talked about the road trip down there for those, because many did people... Did some grief counseling afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, is the fact that the the young lady who wrote that letter that went viral so many years ago um, wanted to go hang out with her dad on New Year's Eve. Yeah, that's and pretty cool. She brought her boyfriend. I was going to say, she had some luggage with her, right? Yeah, her boyfriend, yeah. Um, which is weird. Uh, because they're both 18. Yeah, they're 18. You know, and so right before we were getting ready to go, I was talking to the lovely Leslie, and that's my girlfriend. Yeah. And she was so, what are the sleeping arrangements going to be? I was just going to ask. And I was like, <laughs> you know, I I really haven't thought about that. He can stay in the car. Um, and so my <laughs> first 
Uh, do I you do. like him? I do like him. Yeah? They, 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 they get along well. Uh, Other than the fact that she likes him, what do you like about him? He's a hard worker. Okay. Uh, he's polite. Uh, and he's up for just about anything. All right. And the main reason I like him, and I've told him this. Will he look you in the eye, shake your hand, all yep, that stuff? Yep. And okay. the main reason I like him is he makes my daughter happy. Now, no, that is not the main reason. But here's it's what, the shake in the hand and look in the eye and be and respectful. And I like that. But I went to him, and when this first started, I go, I like you because you make my daughter happy. If you make my daughter unhappy, I will not like you. You understand fair. that. That's and, fair. And that's, and that's one of those things where I held his hand and looked him in the eyes the whole time. Mm-hmm. said, I'm just letting you know. That you're in good graces because... Was it one of those uncomfortable handshakes yes. where you wouldn't let go? Yes. <laughs> oh, I wish I'd have seen that. So back to the room assignments. Yeah. Uh, we, there were seven of us that went down, so we had two rooms. We had uh, lovely Leslie, uh, her two kids, and a friend, my girlfriend, my daughter, and her boyfriend. Okay. And so we had to figure out how to get seven people in two rooms. All right. Um, and make sure that everybody was happy. Nobody wants to sleep with the parents, um, but I'm paying, so somebody's got to. Right. Um. So my first idea was me and Ashton will sleep in the same bed. Ashton's the boyfriend. Yeah. Okay. And then I thought that's probably not a good idea. Your little spoon? <laughs> he is taller than me. Okay. But no, 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 no. no. Uh, so I was like, well, I'm probably not going to sleep in the same bed as my daughter's boyfriend. Yeah, that's um, a little weird. So then I was like, well, maybe I'll make him sleep on the floor. You know, she gets to bed, he sleeps on the floor. And then I was like, well, that's, I mean, that's kind of rude. And then I thought, um, well, maybe I make his head be down by her feet, you know, but they can sleep in the same bed. You need to watch Seinfeld. And so I was, I haven't seen this one. So I was like, but that's, I mean, come on. And then I, I was talking to my girlfriend and it's the same advice I give it to her when we're talking about her kids who are yeah. 19 and 22. I said, at this point, they're consider an adult she's 18 mm-hmm. what am i gonna do right and you know i i don't know what what's going on so i just said you're under the sheets he's on top of the sheets and i'm here and i'm a light sleeper so you're you're it's like a double queen oh or yeah something? double queen yeah okay. they were, so they were in the room with us yeah okay and so i said and if i hear any nonsense yeah i'm gonna throw punches and ask questions later okay all right and he was cool How'd it work out? I didn't throw any punches. You a snorer? Yeah. You keep him awake all night? <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a pretty good snorer. You know, why don't you just get another room? Because well, I'm already paying for two. I didn't want to pay for three. <laughs> Come on, you're a big celebrity. No, I'm not. And, and I'm notoriously cheap. If I could have a coin purse, I would. Yeah. But nobody has coin anymore. And that brings me to another thing. You're walking around Vegas where there's a lot of homeless and everybody wants change. I'm like, bro, you got to switch it up. Nobody's got change. Got to get some Venmo. Yeah. Right? But And that's hard to vet. So, I mean... But all right. in all, it was good. The best part about the Rose Bowl was hanging out with my family, being present in the moment, and doing something uh, that we'll never forget. Because although the, the Utes lost, it was an experience. We saw the Rose Bowl parade. Mm-hmm. Uh, we spent a lot of time talking, listening to music, and getting to know each other. And so for that, I'm very grateful. I think the road grateful. trip is great for getting to know people, uh, potentially at least. I think you handled it well. Do you feel like you did? Yeah. Because you got to have that experience. And you also got to interact with her boyfriend. I think a lot of parents don't take the time to get to know their kids' uh, boyfriends or girlfriends. Yeah. And I think that's a mistake. Well, I I, I, I want to get to know him. Yeah. Well, and, so you should have slept in the same bed with him. <laughs> no, I think you handled that pretty well. That sounds all I mean, right I didn't to me. know what else yeah. to do. No, I, I remember telling my ex-wife. She's like, they well, get the roll away. They got the roll away? Oh. Could have pulled that in. Couch? Is there a couch in that room? No. No. Oh. The rollaway would have been the key. Yeah, it's like 25 bucks usually, though. Vegas sticks you for everything. Oh, my gosh. We talked about how much I like Vegas. I love Vegas. Yeah, I know you do. Hey, so you've got this uh, minute thing that we're going to do. Uh, are you ready for it? Yeah, if we if you want to. I want to do it right now. Okay. Well, I just thought it'd be fun to kind of check in on some mental health stuff. And so I have a couple little marijuana things because I know- But you're calling this uh, a mental health minute. Mental health minute. Because now you're doing TikToks for the university. Yeah, I guess. I mean, uh, if we still are, since China owns them and the governor said no. Yeah, yeah. No. Okay, okay. But let's see what you got here for the mental health minute. Josh just had a heart attack. Yeah, he's like, no, no, no. <laughs> okay, what we got? All right, mental health minute. Here we go. 
So a couple of things that I thought would be interesting to talk about. One is CBD. CBD's everywhere. Everybody's like, oh, CBD. Yeah, that's cool. Everybody can have CBD. And for me, CBD is just the new essential oil. Yeah, well, that's the problem is now the FDA, Food and Drug Administration, is pretty concerned about kind of what active ingredients of the CBD is doing in all these supplements and food additives. And so they're now, this is just a news report, it's not a study, that probably in 2023 they're going to start regulating uh, CBD. And there's a difference I learned in reading through this that CBD can come from marijuana or hemp. And there's a difference in the quality of CBD. Well, and what I know it for some people who, who, you. who do CBD, there is yeah. some active marijuana in some of that. Yeah, uh, it depends on which plant it comes from. You know, so people think marijuana and uh, what was the other one I just said? Hemp. Hemp. That they're the same. They're not the same. They're very similar, but they're not the same. Uh, and the, the the marijuana, if your CBD comes from marijuana, it's going to have more of an activating effect on you than if it comes from hemp. I'm gonna I'm gonna date myself, but do you remember the tea, the movie called My Big Fat Greek Wedding? Yeah, and uh, father who always sprayed Windex on everything. Yeah, that's pretty much CBD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. He's like, I got allergies. Have you tried CBD? I got a bad knee. Have you tried CBD? Yeah. So it's nonsense. Um, I mean, it does something, but what it does. Everybody, you know, it's snake oil of the modern era. And yeah. if, if that offends you, I'm sorry. But, you know, CBD needs to be regulated. And it looks like they're, they think that it needs to be regulated now. So well, that that's one fun. thing. What do you got for yeah. us next? Okay. <laughs> you in a hurry? No. Going somewhere? No. All right. Um, so the next one is a little more serious. And oh. I, I'm curious if you... I'm going to quiz you guys. Everybody okay. can. Everybody can. So we've got our guests here, Amanda yeah. and Trevor. So if they know the answer, they can jump in. They'll be my lifeline. Yeah. And Josh, he's post COVID, so I don't know if his brain's working too well. But if he wants to jump in, he can. But here's in 2017. Mm-hmm. Good year. Uh, all across the nation, there were 207 reports of children ages five or younger who accidentally ingested edible can- cannabis, mm-hmm. right? So edibles. Yeah. Right. And, and Because so, they make them like candy. So there's gummy, gummy bears, bears, there's gummy, gummy worms, worms there's, all that. So it yeah. looks like candy. Yeah. And so people have them in their homes and, you know, probably legally. You can, you can get them legally now in a lot of states. And uh, they have them in their homes. 207 reports. Now, it went up from 2017 to 2021. That increased the number of calls, mm-hmm. worries about young kids under five ingesting edibles. Uh, what do you? How many cases? Two hundred and seven in twenty seventeen. How many do you think in twenty twenty one? Ooh, I don't have to say in the thousands. I'm like twenty thousand. Twenty thousand? Yeah. Okay. Well, you you jumped the shark on that. Oh. Three thousand fifty four. I guess I should have let them guess. Yeah. Well, so in in stats numbers, that's a fourteen hundred percent increase. Wow. In just those years. And most of those, 97% were, uh, hap- or 90% were in their own home, and 97% were in the, like, in homes generally. Mm-hmm. So they might have been visiting a friend or, or a relative. But 90% of those 3,000 calls uh, were happening in the kids' own home. Well, I know why, because kids are super soothsayers. You know what I mean? They, they can find that stuff. I mean, I had an ability to find candy hidden in my house because it didn't matter where it was because you leave kids unattended. They're going to yeah. search everywhere looking for candy. I remember the one time I found baking chocolate thinking it was chocolate, took oh, a bite, yeah. and I was like, we all did that. this sucks. Yeah, it was terrible. But I, it, I had to find it. I mean, yeah. it was hidden behind some stuff, yeah. but I was willing behind to look. Behind the stale marshmallows. Yes. Yeah. Right. Well, I, I think what it really tells us is parents aren't locking up things that they need to lock up. Mm-hmm. We've known parents have done that forever with alcohol. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I work in a business where I know that they do that with guns, mm-hmm. and that's pretty dangerous. But now with medical marijuana, I don't know. This doesn't even say medical marijuana. I'm going to assume these people you know, have a reason to have a bunch of gummies in their house, but they're not locking them up. And they, more than anything, look like candy. So a 1,400% increase in just those a uh, few years, four you know, years. It's interesting that I think that all gummies would be considered medical marijuana because I don't think the average street dealer is sitting around making gummy worm marijuana. Right. It's probably purchased for, you know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's recreational, but it's, yeah. it, I mean, it's manufactured by some company. Right. So it's really natural, huh? Anyway, um, <laughs> last thing that I have to say. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Didn't even see that one coming. <laughs> well, the the truth is I've had a hard week. Yeah. Because I've had to deal with 
uh, two different families in this last week where the parents wanted me to agree that it was okay that they were smoking weed with their kids. Now, what do you think about that? I don't think that's good at all. Guess what? What, what do you guys think about that? No, I don't think that's good. You can disagree with me. I'll be nice to no, you. No, I mean, what are you teaching your kids? Right. You know? Well, it's what you're teaching them, right? But it's also what you're doing to their brain. Mm. And we forget the fact that the brains are go through critical periods of development and they develop, especially the frontal lobes, which is your most human part. Like if you're going to be a successful adult, your, your frontal lobes need to be intact. Mm-hmm. And that's the last part of your brain to develop. Focus, concentration, reason, problem solving. And that doesn't fully develop until you're at 24, 25? 24, 25. And so if you are smoking weed and one of them was a middle school kid. And and I and I I mean I don't know, but I can assume that the families are doing it thinking cuz it's the same old logic from I'd the 70s have him do it and with 80s me than with some stranger with alcohol back in the day, right? Yeah. Remember when we were growing up and yeah. there was always some parent that was like, "Well, you can do it here. We just don't want you to go somewhere else." Yeah. And that's such a fundamental misunderstanding of what's happening when a, a young kid's drinking alcohol and getting you know, wasted or a young kid's learning to to smoke marijuana and it changes your synapses. It does. Mm -hmm. And it's not a good change. So anyway, I'm a little sensitive this week on like this is everywhere to the point that I saw that article and I was like, oh, my gosh, I've got to bring up the fact that people are leaving marijuana gummies out and kids are eating them. Not just a little bit, but 1400 percent increase in four years. That's insane. Yeah. Anyway. And then the last one, this is my favorite. This is from the Brazilian Longitudinal Study of Adult Health. So you know it's good. I haven't got my episode yet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, you should check it out. Um, and uh, I, I want you to see if you can find the conspiracy theory in this. Okay. Vegetarians suffer more depression than meat eaters. Hmm. That's the study. The study's finding basically is that vegetarians suffer more depression than meat eaters. And it's from the Brazilian Longitudinal Study of Adult Health. Where's, mm. where's the conspiracy theory in that? Mm. Rodizio Grill. I think oh. Rodizio Grill probably spawned. No, I'm just I'll kidding. tell you what. You take bacon away from anybody, they're yeah. depressed. Well, actually, they go on to say that it may be more the vegetarian social experience. And uh, or a depressed person actually may be more likely to become vegetarian for various reasons. I don't know. But I thought it was interesting. Did they interview all these vegetarians at a barbecue? Because that's a depressing scene. <laughs> they were kind of saying that like like a lot of vegetarians get bummed out by watching like how meat is manufactured for people and all of that. Mm. But anyway, I just thought it was kind of interesting and fun. I like to know. it. I, I, I all the vegetarians I know I was thinking about it that are pretty strict. They're pretty happy. So yeah. I, I don't know. I think it's a choice. It's perspective, Dr. Matt. Yeah. So there hey. you go. That's your mental health minute. Don't leave your, uh, you know, your Gummies. gummy weed out. And uh, and if you're sad, have some meat. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I, I think that's a great segue Steak. to our guests. Yeah. And our guests today are married. Uh, we've got Amanda and we've got Trevor Butterfield. Uh, and their story is kind of unique in the fact that we're not going to go and talk about how they both... Got into addiction. We usually go way back in a person's life and kind of start with the early stuff, but they have an interesting. They were both thing. addicts, right? They got sober. Mm-hmm. They got together, right? They relapsed together, together, right? And at we- least once or twice, twice, twice. Mm-hmm. We're going to find out that part of the story. You're listening to Project Recovery. Stick around. Hey, welcome back to Project Recovery. I'm Casey Scott. That's Dr. Matt Woolley. He's a clinical psychologist, and our guests today are married. They are married. They are married. Um, They are a really nice couple. A wonderful couple. Yeah. Um, And you guys met uh, in recovery. Amanda, how long were you sober before you met Trevor? I was about two years sober. And Trevor, you were? I had about five months. Something like four or five it was months. Like ninety. You were still in treatment. I was in treatment for 121 days. Oh yeah. Okay, so okay, okay. to okay. be fair, it yeah. was like right towards the end. So I had like four months. Okay, and so you guys find each other and at sober softball. Sober softball, yeah. Sober softball is a thing, guys. Yep. We yeah. haven't talked about it for a while, but uh, your face always lights up when you bring <laughs> up sober I didn't softball. know people played softball sober. He got yeah. so excited, and then when I found out that that's a big deal, and yeah. I mean this, the the, the recovery community rallies behind sober softball i mean there's people that have been going for years it's a big deal uh, mm-hmm. and, yeah. and, it, and it's cool because it's a cool community mm-hmm. where you'll see people from different houses you you got to kind of it it's kind of like high school sports mm-hmm. because when you go to a sober softball game it's different recovery houses that have their teams mm-hmm. so you'll have a pinnacle recovery going against a wasatch you'll Do have, they have a like wasatch. uniforms yes mm-hmm. oh yeah oh, yeah okay 
And so mm-hmm. it, it, it's kind of a thing. So you guys yeah. met at Sober, sober yeah. Softball. Mm-hmm. Opposite teams. Mm-hmm. That's how we, oh, we met. Okay. I was yeah. catcher. Yeah. Our versions of the story are very different, just mm-hmm. to be clear, even to this day. So yeah. eight years later, I feel like he was very uh, forthright. For, forthright? Forward. Is that the word? He was just forward. Forward. Not a word. Yeah, thank you. He, he was, was forward he was and flirting, right? Yeah, yeah. And he claims that I was like all over him, which... Right. Which she knows it's to be true. It's just not accurate. Well, yeah. <laughs> See? Men, See we, I mean? have, we have more fragile egos. That's so we have totally. to sort of reinvent history to kind of fit that ego <laughs> totally. status. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, when you were gone, Trevor said you kept running to his base and you weren't even out on the field. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He literally yeah. was like, I'll slide butt first into first. <laughs> and I was like, what is this? Okay. Like, go for it. Make yourself look stupid. Yeah, I don't tell care. him what I did you know? after that. And then he actually hit a home run and like <laughs> walked the bases and was like staring me down every single base. I and I couldn't I even say anything, you know? So it seems like it started out great. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Yep. And then what happened? Wait, who won the game? Oh, we did. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. my team was yeah. terrible. Awful. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely garbage. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you had to get that out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. But you guys end up, uh, I guess, falling in love? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, well, who asked for whose number? Was it right at the game? Was it right, like... Well, to be fair, I didn't have a phone. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was in treatment. <laughs> you know? But uh, I got you. You gave me yours, yeah. And I was calling her from the, the house phone in treatment. Yeah. 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 Why? While she was working at another yeah, facility, working, by yeah, the way. So, and I was like, this is so tacky, so cliche. So I was kind of like... Oh, I can't tell anyone. You know, there's a, there's kind of like an unspoken rule. You got to wait a year at least. Sure. And so I'm this person who has two years, and I'm like going for this newcomer who has, you know, a couple of days. I mean, a couple of months. But it was. And so, for those who don't know, uh, and I can speak from experience, when you're in a recovery center, uh, you get phone privileges on certain days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mine were on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Sunday. Okay. And that's when I was allowed to call my family. Uh, call. KSL to see if I still had a job, uh, just you know what I mean to call you know court lawyers or whatever. Yeah, I don't remember you calling me. No, because yeah, yeah no. Okay. So you were taking your time allotment for the phone and calling this girl you met at sober softball instead yeah. of lawyers and attorneys. Yeah, well, yeah. I got lucky. I, yeah, that's another story. But um, you have to get the numbers approved, right? Uh huh. Through your therapist. So she worked at a facility. I told them that I was calling that number to get into a sober living. Which was and true. That was he tried. He did try. <laughs> I did try. And again, this is another story of yeah. the like version of the story. He thinks I said that the clinical director said he couldn't come. I actually went to the clinical director and he was like, sorry, he cannot come here. Because you guys um, are dating. That's probably not good. Well, and he didn't know that, but he'd gone to that facility before and left against medical advice. Uh, he saw him slide butt first into yeah. first base. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's like, like, like on the softball team. Absolutely. Yeah. No absolutely. He's like, get him out of here. Yeah. So, so, yeah, but I did ask him. He's like, you probably didn't even ask him. And I was like, I actually I still did. I don't think she did. <laughs> See? Okay, so you guys, get, you get out of recovery, yeah. and you guys start dating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, in the recovery world, they say the 13th step is yeah. a bad step, and that's dating somebody fresh out right. of recovery. Mm-hmm. They say it's take a year time to kind of figure out who you are, get your bearings straight, and kind of get your side of the street cleaned up before mm-hmm. you uh, go right. over to somebody mm-hmm. else's. Do you guys mm-hmm. think generally that's good advice? 100%. Yeah, mm-hmm. I do, yeah. I think it, because especially where you come from, where you just have no idea, like my whole identity was using, right? It was like being on the streets and heroin and all that, that, and you know, all that, that, that encaptures. And so to really get to know myself, like I didn't know what that was. And so, especially I think, you know, getting that validation, like it just is. Well, you're creating a new identity. Totally. And unless you come to your addiction later in life, most people start and are high in their addiction during their identity mm-hmm. development times, mm-hmm. right? Your teenagers and your early 20s, that's when a lot of people are heavy in their addiction. And that's when we're supposed to be figuring out who we are. So people come out of recovery and they're like, okay, I'm sober, mm-hmm. but my identity has to change. But I understand why an addict would think that dating somebody new in recovery is a good idea. Because in your head, well, you know, for... A lot of people I've talked to. They can relate to me. They can relate to me. They're strength in numbers. Yeah. I'll hold you accountable. You'll hold me accountable. Right. It's like a gym buddy. You know what I mean? We're going to be accountability buddies. And, right. But we get to sleep with each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. but, <laughs> but 
the reality is is that you're both so fragile, yeah. and so now. Uh, Right, so so there there may be some of that where you can support each other. Well, that's but, the, that's the that's the sales pitch to get everybody into it. Right, right. Nobody ever talks about the bad. Is that if you fall, I'm more likely to fall. So I have a feeling we get to talk about the mm-hmm. bad. So mm-hmm. how did it go, guys? So we made it. I made it to two years that time. So I made it. What's you know. Um, Together, we together, were yeah, two together. years together sober after we started dating. And did you, was it like to describe that relation? Like, were you living in your own places, doing your own thing, mm-hmm. or did you yeah. move in together right away? No, or? we had, I had my own apartment, and he had, he was living with a group of his friends. Yeah. And um, at that point, we were both working in the recovery community as well. Um, Just getting started working yeah. in treatment. Mm-hmm. You know. We still had separate, like, support groups and friend groups. So I feel like yeah. it was pretty. Pretty healthy considering. So you, didn't, you didn't rush right into mm-hmm. like a, a committed in, relationship. Yeah. Plain house. Yeah, 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 yeah totally. No. Totally. I had seen that fail one too many times. Mm-hmm. And you know. so you say you got about two years together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, it, that's awesome. Yeah. Right? That's really good. How does it not become good? So we I, I yeah, well, yeah, we, we moved, moved, no. moved <laughs> He was quick with the answer. She's like, uh, 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 we moved in together. Moved yeah. in together. Well, that yeah. was the second time. The first time I went to the Center for Change and had to have surgery, remember? So I've struggled with an eating disorder since before my addiction even. And so I went to um, treatment at the Center for Change in Orem, which is we, an eating we've disorder. Had, we've had them on. Yeah. yeah. Them on the show, yeah. So I went there. I mean, they're they're great. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, Wonderful them. program. And uh, went there and had to have surgery. And so Trevor would come visit me and like, you know, even he was my number one support for that. He's had his two sisters both had eating disorders. So he just knew kind of how to support. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I went there, was there for three, almost four months. Yeah. Four months. And then have to have surgery right after that from eating disorder behaviors. Complicated. So um, got put, was in the hospital for six days, was put on Dilaudid. And I purposely like looking back, I purposely did not tell my doctor I was an addict. Like there was something in mm. that voice inside me was like, awesome. This is a freebie. You know, like I, so you, I'm, you remember oh, yeah. kind of holding mm-hmm. that information yep. back. I'm yeah. four years sober. Well, and I remember cause the day of the surgery, my dad was like, Hey, did you tell the doctor you're an addict? And I was like, well, no, I'm four years sober. Like, why do I almost four years? Why do I need to do that? You know? And he was kind of like, okay, yeah, I guess that makes sense. But in your mind, it's like playing a game of monopoly, having yeah. that get out of jail free card. Well, totally. it's back yeah. to that whole prescription thing. Like, yeah. you know, like we trust, and, and and this isn't a negative for docs, but like we trust the doctor, we trust the process. Mm-hmm. They're they're in charge, and so it's easy to get back in, you know, back into using prescriptions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yep. they give you Dilaudid. Yep. And so then I got um, released with a prescription, and my parents. I moved back home at this point. Now I, I I'm naive, I guess, when it comes to this. Uh, Dilaudid is a, a pill. I, I always assumed it was a, an injectable. So they gave me the. It they was, had the the line in. Yeah, or, they had when the she line, left, she got like a oxy, prescription for Percocet or something. Yeah. Like whatever that it she was. Left. Mm-hmm. Okay. And my uh, parents had it, had the prescription because I was, I moved back home and so they had the prescription. So they were kind of giving it to me. But when that, when that script right now, I felt like I was in withdrawal. Like it was pretty crazy. I didn't, I mean, I think I was on it for two or three weeks after yeah. they only gave me a short, you know, amount, not a ton of pills. And I was like, I feel like crap, you know? And so, um, but that's that receptors thing. Totally. So your yeah. brain recognized that it's different mm-hmm. than if you had never had an opiate pain management medicine before that and that was the first time but you had grown up using or grown up your brain had yeah. grown up or developed using it and so it's it's kind of on it's mm-hmm. hyper vigilant mm-hmm. and as soon as that gets back in your system mm-hmm. you know you've got pain receptors that are geared for that mm-hmm. yep. so it probably did you probably were going through yep. withdrawals so prescription run out what does that mean so for you? So then we moved in together. That was what I was saying. Yeah. yeah. So then we moved in together and it was within like not very long, a couple of weeks. No, it was, it was probably a month or two because I was working oh, yeah. in treatment. Yeah. I had yeah. just left Wasatch. Yeah. So, walk, so then, walk me through the moment you guys look each other in the eye and decide. It's time. Yeah. Well, I had moved home for tre- – not for treatment, but I got rid of my apartment while I was in treatment mm-hmm. and then moved home. And I love my parents, but we just did better when I was not – there sure. you know and i'm at this point 24 20 i'm like it's time and so yeah. i don't do you remember how that conversation went or what that was i um we can't pinpoint it we've yeah. talked about this a lot to try and figure out the exact moment as to when it happened but it was kind of just a it it started with well 
she was saying she wasn't feeling good or she hadn't felt good. About, I'm talking about moving in. Now you're talking about. No, yeah, I'm talking old. about walking through the time when you guys looked at each other in the eye and said, we're going to relapse. We're going to relapse. Okay, yeah, that's I'm what with I'm you. Okay, sorry, sorry. And we, I guess I don't remember how it started, but we went to go find pills. Well, we drank first. Oh, we drank first. Mm-hmm. That's right. We drank first. And then the next day. Which, like I said, I've hated the entire time. So when I drank, I was like, I, I don't even like this. So mm-hmm. why did I do it? And then the next day I was like, well, Let's go find we already screwed up. Yeah. Might as well. It's that all or nothing mentality. That, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just that black or white thinking where I just go straight. Well, let's go find what we really like. Yeah. And there were no pills to be found. And, and we can just do it once. We'll just do right? it the one time and we'll be good. Yeah. And then we'll like figure it all out. The, isn't that just, it's, it's so cliche, but yeah. that in that moment when your brain is jonesing for that fix, mm-hmm. then that means something mm-hmm. real to you. Like we'll just do it once. Mm-hmm. But that's the lie yeah. everybody tells. It. But that's yeah. the but crazy you, yeah, thing you is that you believe it. it. That yeah. like, Outside of the moment, it sounds silly. Yeah. But in that moment, it's like, this is a good idea. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I wasn't there, but I bet you guys looked at each other and goes, we'll just do it once. Yeah, yeah we'll just yeah. do it once. Yeah. Right? We can do yeah. that. Well, we can totally do that. Mm-hmm. We've got this. And then you start touting all the stuff that you've done to get to this point. Totally. Not yeah. realizing that's the exact reason why you shouldn't, mm-hmm. but you're using that it's as justification for why you should. Yeah. It's like, well, look how far we've come. Come on. One time. Yep. Just one time. Yep. And then and then we were like, well, we couldn't get heroin if we wanted to, right? Because we've been – she's been out of it for four years. I've been out of it for two. Out of the game. Out mm-hmm. of the game. But the game didn't change. <laughs> it was simple. Drive downtown, we had it in two minutes. Mm-hmm. Less than two minutes. And then it was just off and running from there. And then you the know. justification still come, right? Well, we're, we're yeah. only smoking it right now yeah. where we, we really like to shoot it. So if we're just smoking, like it's okay. Yeah. Then it's, it's fine. okay. Yeah. yeah. You know what? I, I think there are a lot of people here in Salt Lake who – maybe if they were to hear you say that, wouldn't believe that you could drive downtown and get it in oh, two yeah. minutes. You mean they on were. my way to walk to a jazz game, <laughs> yep. I could score heroin? Mm-hmm. I, think, yep. uh, I think there's a huge percentage of, of the population that has no idea that it's that prevalent and that available. Mm-hmm. Totally. And yep. it is, It is. if you're a person, I, I will go you know, out on a limb and let everybody know I've never bought heroin. Me neither. So I don't know well, good for you. how you would do this. <laughs> <laughs> that but but I have been, uh, I've worked with people long enough to know that it is available right now if you want it. Like, mm-hmm. you can have it right now. And mm-hmm. I just think that's interesting. I think there are a lot of people in our community that need to be told that. Mm-hmm. Well, you think yeah. about it. She just said she's been out of the game for four. He'd been out of the game for two years. Yep. Didn't think they could get it. And within minutes, mm-hmm. yeah. minutes, not hours. No, no minutes. Minutes. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. not a big time commitment. No. It got yeah. some heroin, and yeah. then it was off to the races, but you're lying but, to but yourself. But they were just smoking it. Yes. They, they, yeah. they didn't yeah. That doesn't count. It. Yeah, it doesn't count. Yeah. And then how does it progress from smoking it to shooting it? The guilt. Yeah. I think the guilt and the shame and the lies and the um, trying. I mean, our family, my family lives in Seattle, right? Mm-hmm. I'll use this story as, as an example. So. We were, how long were we using for when that like happened? Four or five months. Um, well, maybe. Yeah, because we, we then started, we obviously lost our jobs in yeah. recovery, started serving tables. He was really I good wait, at I it. I got to stop you because I, I love how you go, we obviously <laughs> lost our jobs in recovery. Obviously. Well, I quit <laughs> prior. Yeah, yeah, you did quit. I quit, but I I quit didn't. prior. I waited until yeah. I was drug tested and the hair follicle, the whole thing. Well, I can't pee right now. Okay, well, then we'll go do yeah. a hair follicle Which test. is the okay, biggest great. scam in drug testing history. I can't pee right totally, now. Yeah. Totally, totally. I can pee right now. <laughs> Everybody can pee whenever they yeah. want. Right, right, yeah. right, right, I can't yeah. pee right now. They're like, well, we can't wait around all day. So I'm like, well, what do you want to do? We could just skip it, you know? <laughs> and they're like, no, just go get your hair tested. And I was like, okay. And then I'm like thinking, well, I've dyed my hair, so like I should be all good, right? Like I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so, out of mind. yeah. So then we started serving tables and yeah. we were like both, I struggled with it. He was really good. And so then we had cash daily, right? Mm-hmm. And so we, I, I feel like it was probably maybe four months. Maybe. It might have been four but we had, you know, all that money we were earning was going to drugs. Mm-hmm. And we had just gotten a place together. So how were we explaining affording that, right? So, you know, I had reached out to my parents and they, okay, yeah, times are hard. We'll help you this time, you know. And it kind of spiraled down. And, and my mom had asked me, hey, um, are you guys doing okay? You know, you're not going around, you know. I'm from Seattle, but my entire family's out here. My parents are from Pleasant Grove, born and raised. So, like, extended family, everyone's here. So we weren't going around them anymore. And my grandma had noticed and – um Said, yeah, we're doing fine. We're just busy with work, you know, all the excuses that everybody always says. And I'll never forget, it was the middle of the day randomly. And I get a knock on the door, and I was like, instantly, I'm like, it's the cops. Yeah, yeah, we both were like, like, we're not answering that. Yeah. I'm like, if we I'm don't answer, they'll go away. Totally. Oh, they totally. just, it just kept knocking, <laughs> knocking. And I'm yeah. not even exaggerating when I say it was 20 minutes. 
20 minutes of just knocking, probably longer. And I get a text, and it was my mom. And she said, I'm not leaving until you open the door. So she had flown, she had flown down, out, not said a word. She had no mother's proof. Mother's intuition. Mother's mm-hmm. intuition. Yeah. And that's exactly what it was. And I remember opening the door, and she just looked at me, and I started sobbing, right? And she said, let's get you help. And that's kind of where it started when we got sober again. Moms are the best. They are. Yeah, my mom is. A hey, you're listening to Project Recovery. This is Amanda and Trevor's story. We got more. Stick around. Hey, welcome back to Project Recovery. I'm Casey Scott. That's Dr. Matt Woolley. Our guest today is Trevor and Amanda Butterfield. And uh, they just talked about uh, Trevor's mom flying across the country. uh, On her intuition. On intuition, knocking on your door steadily for 20 to 30 minutes. She opens the door. You both cry. She said, let's get you help. Yeah. So we went to separate facilities. Um, well, wait. Okay, so she said, "Let's get you guys help," and and she met Amanda as well. She met Amanda mm-hmm, as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I had a really good relationship with yeah. them. Always have, you know. Yeah. So they kind of, I feel like they kind of adopted me as a daughter, even when we yeah. were just dating. So, yeah. and yeah, so it was. So, do you guys go both. willingly, or just the gig is up, and you're like, "Yep." It was about. I think it was a week later. Yeah, we I think, went. Yeah, we, we got, were like, we need we a couple had to pack days. up our whole yeah. place. I mean, we did that whole leave in the middle of the night and deal with the consequences later, Yeah, you know, with the lease and all that good stuff, which took a long time to fix. But um, we both went into treatment centers a week later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And went day. into separate treatment yep. centers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We went to separate treatment centers. Um, did you do that on purpose? Yeah. yeah, we, yeah. I, I don't know of anywhere that will treat you both. Most yeah. of them yeah. won't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They're not. Well, I know that. I, oh. I just know that they've capable of bending well, the truth we did at this do that. point. We, so, did that in we did that for a detox yeah. once yeah. way back when. But, yeah. um, I went in 10 minutes before kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't actually, know. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then the we're, second day, they're like, we're like, yeah, we got to get out of here. Yeah, we're we're like, sleeping we're, in the same bed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're like, we're going to leave now. And they're like, you guys can't leave together. I'm like, well, we came together. Yeah, we're <laughs> together. And they were just sitting there like, what? how did you do that? I'm like, well, let us leave. Yeah. But I also bring it up just because that also represents maybe a better mindset. Like you guys were like, hey, we know we shouldn't try to go mm-hmm, together for so. sure yeah and we were we were we thought we were done mm-hmm. and we mm-hmm. really did because it was you know a short you thought your relationship was done no. or uh, the using drugs, using, yeah. Yeah, using. Mm-hmm. i mean we had we knew that the chances of us succeeding together in a relationship were slim to none mm-hmm. but we still were like let's go to focus on ourselves figure out what we need to do and we'll deal with it afterwards um and I did 45 days. She did 30 days. She went to a different sober living. I went to a different sober living. Um, and then we spent a little bit well, of time apart. Well, my therapist made me break up with you yeah. while we were in there, remember? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, he, he had her call me in, in the middle group. of process group it's and break up you, with me. It's not you. It's my therapist. Yeah, literally. I'm like, so <laughs> in the middle of if process I wanted yeah. Everybody was there. Everyone yeah. was there. Yeah. Uh, wow. Wow. So we've all been broken up with before, but not, not in the process speaker, group yeah. on speaker. Yeah. speaker. Not my best yeah. moment. Oh, right. It was awful. Yeah. It was horrible. <laughs> and it blindsided me. I just talked to her the night before. Yeah, I love you, baby. I'll see you when we get out. And then the next day, it's like, we're done. Sorry about that. I was like, all right, then. Um, it was awful, yeah. he says. But we only made it, what, a month apart? Yeah, literally. And then we were back together. Yeah. So then we had, um, we were living separately, and we decided we would rent a place with our friend. So him he and his girl. He was also in recovery. He was also in recovery. Him and his girlfriend would live together, and in a, they would have their space, Connor. and we would have our space. No, I'm talking about Drew. Oh. And so um, we had found out that we were pregnant. Mm-hmm. And, um, I talk about when I, when I tell my story or talk about it, I talk about the what ifs or the, if this happens that I've always had in the back of my head. Right. And one of my what ifs was I will use if I happen to lose a kid or someone close to me dies and we ended up having a miscarriage. So in my mind, it was in the back of it. Right. And I automatically was like, you had it loaded. that's it. I had set myself up for something that I had prayed would never happen and hope would never happen, but it was there. So instantly my reaction was I'm going to go get high because this wasn't supposed to happen. And I couldn't deal. You and couldn't I, deal with it. And we could, and we dealt with it separate mm-hmm. ways. Totally different. I couldn't different. hold still. Like I couldn't. Yeah. And I was 12 weeks, right? Like, so we were kind of through that excited part and due to my eating disorder behavior, I'd never thought I would, like I was told like your chances of having kids are low. You know, yeah. you've kind of wrecked you've wreaked havoc on your body, you know, with drugs and the eating disorder stuff. And so we, I couldn't hold still. Like I was constantly going and he just was like, I don't want to do anything, you know? So 
So we were like, and we had just told our families, mm-hmm. and everybody, you know, was excited, and it just it hit us. Yeah, it hit us really hard. Well, that's devastating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so we we relapsed. Well, we broke up first. We broke up first. Yeah. Got back together. Relapsed. Relapse, yeah. We broke up over the miscarriage. You know, yeah. we were just kind of let's take some time to figure this out mm-hmm. separately. And then, of course, when we got back together, we figured it out by using drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that run didn't last very long. Well, we didn't our, get a treatment after that. No, I'm saying our use. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm saying our use, that run of using when we relapsed didn't last super long. Um, we were out for this time in my couple months, maybe. And we knew that we needed help. But at this point, I was just off my parents' insurance. I didn't have a job. I wasn't insured. I didn't know where to go. Um, so I called, um, the owner of a treatment center over and over and over. And I actually worked at the treatment center, Wasatch recovery. Mm -hmm. Um, and I called Mark, the owner for what, probably three weeks straight. Well, we need to, we found out we were expecting this was, but this was after I started calling Mark. So that's when I, yeah, yeah. Okay. 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 So, well, there's that. Um, (laughs) I started calling Mark for three weeks straight. No, not taking you. You used to work here. This is weird. I can't scholarship you. You can't do it. Amanda, was trying to figure out what she was going to do too. And then we found out she was pregnant and I was like, we have to figure something out. Cause it's just, a, we, uh, you know, we're not going to be those parents that continue to use while mm-hmm. you're pregnant and put our, this kid's life in jeopardy. We already lost one kid. We can't do anything, um, to lose another. And it was so weird because we had found out and I had called Mark for three weeks at this point and I called him and he didn't answer. And I was like, he had answered every time and just basically told me no and then mm-hmm. hung up, right? All of a sudden, I get, we're sitting in the Smith's parking lot. I still remember. And Mark calls me. And I was like, he said, you, I don't know why I'm doing this, but I will. If you're here by 10 a.m. tomorrow, you can come and I'll scholarship you. Treatment, um, sober living, aftercare, all of that. And Amanda simultaneously in the well, craziest way out. had gotten a call to go to Idaho to go live with her cousin who's also in recovery to get sober out there. So we both had our separate pass, but we found an option to be able to get sober. And at the time we're homeless, right? Yeah, we're, like that, our friend that we yeah. were living with, with his girlfriend, they were like, you can't, like, it's super hard to be around. Yeah. Like, you know, cause we're just hidden in our room using. Rightfully so. So we're, we're homeless. We're like getting hotels every now and again. Yeah. We're sleeping in the car. We have our dog. Um, just sleeping in the back, you know, we'd like make arrangements and just find somewhere safe to be, you know? So at this point we were like, okay, there's like, there's a little bit of hope. Like we yeah. kind of know the direction we're going to go. So, okay, now so fast forward, we go to treatment. Um, Amanda moves to Idaho and towards the end of treatment. Um, I didn't know what I was, I was going to go to sober living after, but Amanda was still in Idaho and I'm sitting here, you know, I want to be there to be with her while she's pregnant and, you know, be there for the kid. But we didn't know, um, you know, we had so many people telling us we wouldn't make it, right? Yeah, and, had, that, and that we needed to put the baby up for adoption. Yeah, you and know? you know, you guys. Which, you logically, that makes sense. Logically, that like I could, we could totally see like, okay, that makes sense. But we also needed to make the decision, you know, mm-hmm. and it didn't need to come from our parents or whoever else, you know. So, what were you gonna? Were you no, gonna, I broke. Okay. No, and that yeah. So you, we decided we're not putting. Her up for adoption. It's not. Yeah, it's, like I, know. I it was probably the hardest decision I ever made. I prayed and prayed and prayed. I talked to three different families. Like, what am I doing? It was so heavy because, and I at the time, you know, we I had my first ultrasound appointment. I, you know, come to find out it was like four and a half months along, you know, when, when I got sober. And so a lot of shame and guilt, like I'm now that woman that's used while pregnant. Um, what am I going to do? I don't, I have literally a garbage bag of clothes to my name. Like, how is this even going to happen? And, um, I talked to the three different families. I would just sob. Like I couldn't, it was so heavy. And then, and then my mom said something that my grandpa said, um, I, I was about maybe almost 60 days sober. And she said, God draws straight with crooked lines. And I was like, that's pretty crazy. And it just kind of hit me. And so I'm like, well, let's just like think of if I did keep this baby, like what would that look like? And even with that thought, I had a friend who was like, hey, do you need baby clothes? Like I have a tub. I'm not kidding. It's like the tub is huge. 
all full of baby clothes. And then my cousin who I was living with was like, well, we could throw you a baby shower and do like a necessity shower. So they just bring diapers and wipes. And so they did that. And it was, I've never seen so many diapers in my life and wipes. We didn't buy diapers for the first like- For 10 months. 10 months of our 10 months. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot of diapers. And so, yeah, a lot of diapers. And so we like, it just, I got a job where they offered me full-time maternity leave. Like I worked there a week and they were like, oh, I was like, by the way, I'm, you know, I'm expecting. And they were like, okay, no problem. Like we, we actually really love what you're doing here and we'll pay you full-time maternity leave. And so it was just pretty crazy. Like all of these things started happening. I bought a car. Um, my cousin had a friend and I bought a car for like $500, you know, and it was like not a, I mean, it was a piece of crap, but it wasn't, you know, it it worked. Like it was, it was safe. And so um, everything was falling into place. Yeah. Yeah. Literally lining up. So Everything's falling in place for you. But what about you, Trevor? I'm sitting in sober living in an outpatient with you know, um, the people working there that I worked with that were my friends, mm-hmm. you know, going back to a treatment center with my community of people that I worked for and then going back in a client as a client was the most humbling thing I've ever done. Right. How did they treat you? They were hard. Mm-hmm. They, I mean, Wasatch is a cutthroat program already as it is, but they turned it up times 10 for me, you know, and every, I mean, the majority of people, they'll admit it to this day. If you ask them, they told me, do not move to Idaho. You're not going to, you're not going to make it work. But there was one person there who the entire time never gave up, Mm -hmm. you know, and he said, you know what, if you want to be there for that kid and you think that you can, um, you know, make it work with Amanda, he said, I support you. He said, you're going to have to do everything you can can to make it work, right? And you're going to have to be on the same page and want it the same. He's like, there's so many different things that have to fall into place that you're probably going to fail. He said, but if you want to try, I support you. And I was sitting in a McDonald's drive-thru and I called Amanda and I said, Hey, we hadn't talked in probably a month at that point because we were taking some time. And I, you know, I just said, Hey, and she's like, I can't believe you're calling. I called my dad. You know, we talked for a little bit. I called my dad after and I said, Hey, dad, I'm moving to Idaho. And he said, This is the biggest mistake you're ever going to make or something like that, mm-hmm. right? This is, you're an idiot. He's like, We love Amanda like our own, but you guys are just not good for each other. And I said, Well, here's the deal. That's what I'm doing. I said, So. And tell him what you said. Because your dad Which always part? quotes this. Because then you said, but that that child deserves a dad. Yeah. Yeah. I did. Yeah, I said, that child deserves a dad. Um, and I'm going to be there, right? You know? And uh, my dad said, okay, if that's what you're going to do, um, I'll be there tomorrow. And he drove down, pack, helped me pack up the little bit that I had. In the meantime, Amanda happened to find a townhouse out there that was in our price range. And she had it all set up and was getting it ready. Um, within a week time frame, um, you know, I had moved, I moved down there. My dad stayed a couple of days, helped us get set up and I was working and she was working. And then, um, we had a kid. Yeah. We know. had to meet with the NICU, right? Yeah. Like to make sure that everything she was going to be okay. And because you and, had been using uh-huh. a little bit before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. For four and a half months. So a, was a she good, full term? She, she was, was full term. Yeah. No so NICU, we, we met no. the NICU. My doctor was amazing. Zero shame. Like he was just amazing. Yeah. And she was born. And if you look back at all the pictures, I just am sobbing. You know, she yeah. she was – we got to take her home after two days. Like, there was zero issues. I mean, and she is the sassiest, like, yeah. funniest little four-year-old with red hair that you'll ever meet. Like, yeah. she's – she's it's crazy. It's it's out of this well, world. Well, she's darling. You showed us the pictures yeah, of her. Yeah, she's so Beautiful. crazy. It's nuts. So you move in. You're both working in yeah. Idaho. Uh, you're defying all the odds. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You're winning at this point. Mm-hmm. We are winning. It was uh, – People couldn't believe it, really. Yeah, yeah. You know, but I was, I didn't know what I wanted to do. She was kind of, she, she, Amanda was going back to school, decided to go back to school. So she was doing some online classes working. Um, and I ended up deciding to go to barber school. That's something that I had talked about doing. Well, for we a got long time. married before barber school. Oh, yeah. We got married and barber school started a month later. Um, we came back here and got married with all our family and friends mm-hmm. and then went back out to Idaho and the whole time we don't know anyone out there. Mm -hmm. Right. So we didn't really have a, you know, physical support Mm -hmm. system. We had people on the phone and people we talked to, but as you guys may know, when you leave, a lot of people don't reach out. Right. No. And you kind of find out who your real friends are. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and when I decided to do barber school, I just said, I need to do something that I mean, we're going to have to fall back on. Even if I end up hating it, at least I have a trade that will never go anywhere. Mm -hmm. Right. So I completed barber school. She's going to school. Um, and then I end up starting my own business, a barbering, a barber shop out in Idaho. Um, and we were doing that for a little bit and we came and we would come back down and visit all the time. Right. Cause this was where all our friends and family were. So we'd make the drive 
And every time, you know, for the last two years, every time we would leave, our daughter would cry until we get to the border. Her and I both. Until we got to the border. And she'd say, why can't we just live here? You know, this is where our friend, my cousins, my grandma, everybody is. Why do we not live here? You know, and then I was thinking the for about six months prior to bringing it up to Amanda, I was thinking, I was like, I'm being so selfish. You got pregnant with Bodie. Yeah. So now we're pregnant with Bodie at this point. Yeah, we're pregnant with Bodie. With our son. And we're still traveling back and forth. Um, And I was like. It was after he was born. It was was the last, the first trip we took with him. So he was like six weeks. Yeah. He got to meet grandparents. Like it was just great. We came back home. And she's sobbing the whole way again. (laughs) And I was like, I'm being selfish. I was like, I'm selfish. I selfishly don't want to live in Idaho because my memories are so bad. You know what I mean? In Utah. Or sorry, in Utah. In Utah because my memories are so bad, right? I was like, I didn't grow up here, but when I moved here, everything was drug related, whether it was recovery or I was Trevor the addict, Mm -hmm. right? So when I had moved to Idaho, I didn't even talk about who I was. Mm -hmm. The people that I met in barber school, the people that I met at jobs, they didn't even know I was an addict. I just Mm -hmm. went about my life. And I wanted to reinvent myself, right? Well, that conditioning is powerful. Like mm-hmm. the the strong feelings we have become associated with people, places, and events. And when we change, then those people, places, and events can elicit back those old feelings. Mm-hmm. And so that makes a hundred percent sense from a behavioral standpoint. That you know, coming back to Utah, you you went back. You even just named yourself Trevor the addict, mm-hmm. Yeah. right? So those feelings and thoughts would recur and that's that's a powerful thing i could see why you wouldn't want to come back but you decide to pack up the family and move back, move back. yep we moved back um, well i got a job offer prior so we yeah. t- he brought it up he was like hey i kind of been thinking about utah and we were like we're never going to move back you know so i'm like oh my gosh i'd been thinking about it too so i'm like why do you say that like i was convinced he like i don't know it was so weird how we both kind of thought about it and so i reached out to my uncle and got a job and they were letting me work in idaho um, at, for a treatment center in Utah prior to us moving. And so um, we were like, man, it like got the job within us even bringing it up with. So we brought it up and a week later I had the job, you know, so pretty crazy. And so um, we packed up the family and moved down. Um, and it was like everything just aligned, you know, like housing is pretty. It's pretty hard to find something like found like the perfect spot for us. Um, our daughter Scotty was so excited. I mean, she was like, it was like a dream come true. You know, yeah. we moved down, and he's like, he, well, and you can tell him about you. Well, and I was, I closed up the barber shop, um, and I was like, I'm gonna cut hair. I'll figure out something when I get down here. I have a couple friends that own barber shops down here, and when I got down here, I just didn't want to do it. I just didn't barber at the time. I was just like, I, I don't want to have to rebuild my clientele. I don't want to have to restart from scratch. I was like. But I do love helping people. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'm going to poke, just kind of see what's out there as far as jobs go in the recovery field again. You know, it's what I know. It's I've done it before. And I reached out to one of my friends and he said, no, we don't have an opening right now. If we do, we'll let you know. But let me pass your info along. Within 20 minutes, I had a call from the job that I have now. And I went up and interviewed and got offered the job on the spot. And I, it, I mean, it's just, it's insane mm-hmm. how quick everything you know, we trusted our gut. Everything mm-hmm. just came together. And, you know, our we had family members. You don't want to move back here. Yeah. You're going to hate it. Or, you know, Idaho's your safe place. This is where, you know, you guys change your life. Stay out there. Mm-hmm. But it's been nothing but blessings mm-hmm. since we moved back. We haven't regretted it one no. minute, you know. How long have you been back in Utah? Since Six June. Mo- yeah. yeah. Okay, so, so going on. Uh, yeah, seven months Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. What I love about you guys is that you fought for your family. Mm. Yeah. And you were told it wasn't a good idea. Uh, but you said your daughter deserves a dad yeah. and you fought for him and here you guys are once again defying all odds Mm -hmm. and now you guys got how much sobriety underneath We just celebrated five five years years. on the 14th of December. Oh, that's That's amazing. And you know what, what's great is that, um, I have somebody who quit drinking when I did and that was my dad Mm because he didn't want to ask me to do something he wasn't sure if he could do. So me and my dad have the same sobriety date and you guys have the same sobriety Mm -hmm. date. That's awesome. Uh, And I look at you guys and I see how emotional Trevor gets and I see the pride, uh, Amanda, that you have every time you look over and you see that man next to you and it just fills my heart Mm -hmm. so much. I mean, it's amazing. And so you guys are both working in the recovery community. You've got two kids. Uh, and life seems to be going good. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. It's really good. Like, I don't have any complaints. No. It's been 
It's been amazing being mm-hmm. back. Yeah. So what advice would you have out there for those who are battling addiction, who might be in a situation similar to yours where they're uh, husband and wife or boyfriend and girlfriend or whatever it may be? Uh, what advice would you give them? Well, I think for me, like when we got back together and we were bringing this child in, we had those really hard conversations, you know, to the point where it's like, if you use once, me, me talking to him, you're out. If I use once, I'm out. Like it's not, we're not putting this child at risk. And so I had to be, I had to be selfish enough, but, and that's kind of what my advice would be is that you have to be willing um, to keep yourself safe, even if that meant I couldn't. We could not stay together. It just so happened that he was in that exact same place. And so he was willing to have those hard conversations and to, to again, you know, if you're not, if you're not going to be sober, then you have to get out. He felt the same about our daughter and, and our life that That's that the weird thing about boundaries is that, you know, boundaries are there to protect them and you, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, and most of the time we think it's just to protect them, but totally. you've also got to be able to protect you and what's important to you and mm-hmm. you've got to two little beautiful children in this yep. world and yep. both of you they, they deserve to have both of you but mm-hmm. they need to have one of you yes. for sure yes yeah and they don't they haven't and will never see us mm-hmm. hi you mm-hmm. know what i mean and that was a promise that we made to each other and to ourselves i mean looking at us now it's like life's good but it was hard mm-hmm. it was really hard and it was a lot of um hard hard conversations like she said but it was a lot of Figuring out who we were again, mm. doing it simultaneously in a state where we knew no one. You know what I mean? And it, it, it being out there with nobody helped us rely on each other, mm. support each other. Um, we were the only ones for each other out mm. there. So we had to we had to push through. Dr. Matt, what are your thoughts? I, I This has been an amazing episode. Oh, it's been a lot of fun. I love the love. I love the candor. Yeah. I love everything about this. I like how neither one of them can be on the same page of when a date <laughs> or time was. That's how you know it's yeah. true love. That's how you, that's yeah. how you know they're married. Yeah. And it's true love. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Um, I actually was thinking, and I think you just emphasized it, uh, Trevor, commitment mindset. So I'm a cognitive psychologist, and so our perspective, how we think about things, determines the rest of our experience most of the time. And when a person's struggling, when they're depressed, sometimes I say they have manure-colored glasses on because everything looks crappy, Mm -hmm. right? And so when we're struggling, when we're in addiction, when we're in depression, uh, we see all the challenges. We get hung up on real problems that are in our lives. When you have a commitment mindset to a positive change, the difference is the perspective. It's not that those problems and challenges go away. You just said, Trevor, it was really hard. Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden you start to see these opportunities. You, you you make the phone calls that magical things seem to happen afterwards. Like all this, we could say like, oh, once you guys got sober, everything good just started to fall into place. And in some ways it did. But the the bad stuff wasn't not there. It's just your commitment mindset shifts your perspective to where now you're so focused on the good things that that's what you're attracting in life, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And and so I would say today's, I mean, there's so many cool takeaways of being able to talk to you guys. You have a fun energy and, and, and I'm really impressed that you'd be willing to come on and share your story. But I hope people will realize that what you're t- saying is these good things will start to steamroll in your life but it's because you have this commitment to change and i think having children helped you guys have that commitment and obviously you really like each other <laughs> yeah. so like you know your commitment to each other and and i think probably most importantly to yourself so mm-hmm. thank you for demonstrating that because it's a hard principle to demonstrate because we usually just see like the outcome like oh you know you got the phone call and then you got the job and then the the mm-hmm. car and you know all these things just kind of fell into place and it's like no 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 all the hard stuff was still there, but your perspective shifted because you were committed to that positive change, which mm-hmm. I think is a beautiful example of, and, of recovery. And they did the work. Mm. Like you yeah, sit yeah. there and you talk about uh, Trevor sitting in the parking lot of Smith's yeah. and Mark calls him and yeah. goes, I don't know why I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. Right. And maybe we don't know why he was doing this, but I'm pretty sure the three weeks of constant phone calls before like, uh, yeah. played a part in it. My back. So what yeah. I want to say is don't let yourself off the hook for not doing the work because you guys have done the mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. That's so much. We, 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 persistence is persistence. always pays off. You know, and, and that's what the people, they say is that, you know, it's like, well, you know, you did the work to get there. Uh, you had to stay sober. You had to make the calls. You had to do this. You did the work. Yeah. The fact that that phone call and it was amazing and it came when you needed it. Was, was awesome. 
but you did the work to put yourself yeah. in that situation mm. to be able to receive that. And he didn't squander the opportunity. Yeah. He did yeah. not squander the opportunity. Before we let you go, what recovery centers are you both working for just in case somebody wants to reach out to you guys or find out a little bit more about you? Um, I'm at Wasatch Crest Treatment Services up in Heber City. Um, we're a 20-bed facility up there. Um, we're planning on opening an 18-bed female facility mm-hmm. over in Park City, Utah. Um, we're hoping beginning of February that it will be open. Um, you know, if you're struggling or a loved one struggling, you can feel free to reach out to us. Um, our admissions line is 1-800-385-3507. Amanda, you are? And I'm at Liberty Addiction Recovery soon. Um, I won't be there, but great program. Um, they're just a small facility in Bluffdale, so 12 beds. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. You guys are all over the state. Yeah. All over. Yeah. I love it. I, I, this is the best way to start a new year. <laughs> yes, I agree. I feel rejuvenated. Better me in 23. Yes. Yeah, it is tr- it's true. It's alliteration. I love it. Hey, thank you guys for stopping by and listening to another podcast. We call it Project Recovery. In case you forgot, Project Recovery is what? You know what? In 2023, yeah, it's a KSL podcast. of this program are for informational purposes only. The program is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician, licensed therapist, or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you've heard on this program. KSL does not recommend or endorse any specific tests, physicians, products, procedures, opinions, or other information that may be mentioned on the program. Reliance on any information provided on the program is solely at your own risk.